there are many Old Testament parables, just as you find parables in the New Testament. <clears throat> this one tells what sin is like. Second Samuel 12. And the Lord said unto Nathan, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, that is, Nathan the prophet, to David the king. They were great friends. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, one little ewe lamb, which he had brought, uh, bought and nourished up, and it grew together with him and with his children, and it did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto them as a daughter, unto him as a daughter, in other words, a pet. And there came a traveler, don't miss that phrase, and there came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. Notice his reaction. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. He's now setting his own punishment. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Oh my. There came a traveler and thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered unto thee out of the hand I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been too little, I would have more of given unto thee such and such things. He said, If you need it more, I will give it to you. But look at this now. Three times over this comes. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? Verse 10. Because thou hast despised me. Verse 14. Because by this deed thou hast given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. What a story this is. What an Old Testament story told by a great prophet, by the way, a bold and courageous man, to go into a king who was a friend and to tell him what God said to tell him. Sin is seldom preached in our day. Sin is not high on the agenda of what people are interested in today it's a needed message and folks need to know what sin really is in this passage he tells something of what sin really is preachers used to name sin and 
not preach around it, but to preach it. Uh, I'm a little afraid in approaching our subject this morning. Uh, there was a young preacher who began to bear down upon sin, and a lady came to him in the congregation, and she meant it for well. She was trying to assure him and, and uh, to confirm what he was preaching. Well, this is the way she put it. She said, Pastor, we didn't know what sin was till you came. <laughs> you see, as you approach sin and you come to this scripture, it's a parable told to a king. Think of this. And it's told by one of God's great prophets. And uh, <clears throat> what a brave preacher he was. What difficulty to carry such a message as this. Sin and what to do about it. It's betrayed here. Now, I say right away, there's no fish hooks in the message, and there's uh, just barbed wire strung through the message. And that's to confront you with what sin is about. A survey was taken recently, and this will show you where we are, taken recently in the churches, and many questions were asked. One of the questions is this. Do you believe in sin? 69% said yes in the churches. 25% said no. 6% said I don't know. That means that three out of every 10 people in, the, in this country, in the churches, do not believe in sin. And so that shows you somewhere uh, that we're going. Second question, do you believe there's an absolute uh, guideline between right and wrong, or what is evil and what is uh, good? 28% said yes. 69%, two out of three, said it depends upon the circumstances. Situation ethics has got to the churches. Now, out of this context, we come to the subject of sin and this parable before us. So you can see what led to this message. Third question, do you know what was considered to be the worst sin that people could commit, according to this survey? It was to break into a car and to drive away with it. As a worse sin you could commit, according to this survey. That's people out of the churches. We've learning, we're learning to tolerate sin around us. God have mercy upon us. On and on the questions go, and we'll not uh, uh, go into any more, but this gives you some idea. Not a one of the questions in the survey had to do with the Ten Commandments. Not one, not one. The scriptures tell us it's the work of the Holy Ghost to convict people of sin, and he uses the instrument of the Word of God to do so. So we take this Old Testament parable, and we want to look closely at it. Now, this keeps coming through in the life of David. <coughs> This is a low point, high, 
high places and low places in his life. Uh, twice in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, he called a man after God's own heart. Didn't mean that he was perfect. It meant that he repented a whole lot. He had to keep repenting. And so uh, this is one of those low places. And it went on for about a year that he was out of the will of God and he was dodging this sin. Here's a story of how he got his eighth wife, Bathsheba. Michelle was his first wife, daughter of Saul, and you remember how this came about, how that Saul made her as kind of a reward to give him killing 200 Philistines. Abigail was a great woman, had a wicked husband, Nabal, and when Nabal died, Abigail became David's wife. The next five that are mentioned in Scripture are just names. And, of course, the Bible said he had many concubines. The last of these is the eighth one that we're confronted with this morning, Bathsheba. She was a young wife of one of his trusted soldiers, granddaughter of Ahithophel, most trusted counselor he had. And, of course, you can understand Ahithophel when you read about him and how he turned against David when this took place. What keeps coming through, preacher? David was a ladies' man. This was his weakness. This was his weakness. And he did not guard against this. Now, as far as you can find in Scripture, David was a great king. He was a great soldier, but he was a poor father. <coughs> he is a poor father in his family. There are some lessons from this parable on what sin is. Now look at the parable here in Second Samuel <coughs> chapter 12. First thing is this, sin is to take what belongs to another. Now he took this poor man's lamb, didn't have but one, and he took it. He was not content with what he had. He wanted what belonged to somebody else. <clears throat> you know, I don't want what belongs to you. I rejoice that you, uh, I, I rejoice that my friends are gaining ground. Don't you? Don't you rejoice in that? And uh, David here wanted what belonged to another. What an application of sin here. As you check Ten Commandments, they all have to do with theft of some kind. Reaching out for that that belongs to another. Example I give this morning is Adam in the garden. God said to Adam, Now you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but there's a tree in the midst of the garden, and that's mine. And you're not eat of that tree. Now what tree did he want? That very one. Isn't that right? And he violated, he violated the law of God when he did that. He knew that belonged to God. Sin is to take that which belongs to another. 
second thing, sin is a lack of compassion. It says here that David was riled up because this man had no pity. He had no pity. Failure to identify with others. Not to look with sympathy upon others. Oh, may the Lord help us here. We need to look with sympathy upon others. If you walked in the shoes where others have walked, then you can sympathize with them. <clears throat> uh, for instance, a great lesson that I learned as a preacher is this. When I was a young preacher, if you missed the service, Lord, I tell you, I'd, I'd get on you now if you missed the service. And the more sickness I had <coughs> in my home, and realize that you could get ready to come to the church and couldn't make it. It'll help you then find a way. And I, you know, the call off the service, I hate to call off any service. That's right. I hate to call off any service. But I have sympathy with those who are sick now. Because I read so much of it in my home. And you will too. If you identify with it. Here is sin identified as a lack of compassion. <clears throat> a lack of compassion. <coughs> It has an effect upon God and others and not to love our neighbor as ourselves. <clears throat> There's a song that you sing here in the church. They sing it down in Georgia. I noticed people need the Lord. They do, don't they? They do. Sometimes we can get to the place where we say, well, we're saved and our folks are saved and therefore let the rest of them go. No, no, we're to never take that attitude. Never. People need the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> this should break our hearts this morning because many are blind and ignorant and they do not know the great truths that have come to your heart. Do you know it's by the grace of God that you are in, that God has brought you in, and think and have mercy upon others. Have mercy upon them. And then I'm looking at verse 7 and 8 here. Sin is ingratitude uh, for what we have. Ingratitude. God said, if you had needed more, I'd give it to you. David, if you'd have needed more in abundance, I'd give it to you. David, all the abundance he received was not grateful. And he kept looking out and reaching out for more and more unthankfulness and ingratitude. One of the chief sins of churches and nation, this nation, has been ingratitude. And I remind everyone present this morning we haven't always drove 
the cars that we drive, or the clothes we wear, or the home we live in. We've always had nice churches in this country. It's by the grace of God that we have anything. Let me ask you the question the Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian church. He said, what do you have that you didn't receive? What do you have? That's kind of rough on us, but that's so... I think God is telling us something here. <clears throat> I think God is telling us something. I believe revival will come if we get this straightened out in the churches. The essence of sin is an unthankful heart. What we need is a heavenly, holy silence before God. Wouldn't that be great this last Sunday in the, new, in the old year as we look towards the new year? Just to pause and thank God for what he's already done if he never does anything else. He never does anything else. Sin of ingratitude for what we have. A fourth thing, sin is a lack of a sense of proportion. This man had one ewe lamb, this one little lamb they treated as a pet. And this man came and took it away from him in the parable. This man had abundance of flocks. He could have killed any one of those and served this traveler that came, as Nathan puts it. But uh, he didn't do that. <clears throat> and uh, it... Uh, it fails to benefit him because he didn't have a sense of proportion. He didn't have, it was the value of the moment without thinking about the whole of life. Many times that gets us into trouble too. And then sin is to despise God. Three times over this comes, it comes in verse 9. He says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? <clears throat> he said, David, you've despised God's word and God's servant who's brought it to you. You despise that. Verse 10, Because thou hast despised me. God said, David, in your heart, you despised me. I told you what to do, but you despised me. Verse 14. Howbeit, because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. He said the enemies of God all around are blaspheme the name of God because of it. <clears throat> it's a terrible thing to despise God and his word, to set ourselves up and say, well, we know more than God about it. No matter what God says, we know more than he does about it. 
we can better judge than he can. David was coming to that place. Then David was ungrateful, really, for this prophet who came and faced him with it, faced him with the truth. <clears throat> Here was a man standing with his life in his hands. King, all a king had to do was snap his finger, and he was dead. A soldier would have run him through with a sword. He'd have been dead. But here is a brave man stands in the king's court and tells him what needs to be told. Now you got a few of those in the Bible there. You got a few of those. <clears throat> Micaiah was one of them. Remember him? On one side it's four hundred prophets always says yes, yes, yes. Then, that was my kind. He said, no, no, no. And uh, Jehoshaphat came up to join forces with Ahab, and uh, 400 yes prophets said, yes, go ahead into the battle, it'll be fine, you'll win the battle and all of that. And Jehoshaphat had a sneaking notion that that was right. He said, is there a prophet of God around here? Well, there's one left. But uh, he prophesied he was concerned his time. I don't like the area. <clears throat> and so they sent for him. Micaiah said, No. No. He said, That's what I've been telling you. You go in this battle, you're going to die. What they do, they appreciate that. No, put him down in prison, bread and water. And they win the battle anyway. And some guy crossed the line somewhere. The battle wasn't even going on at that time. He just shot an arrow across the line. And the arrow went across the line and down into the chair of the He was a brave man to confront a king like this. There have been some brave ones. Jeremiah was another one, if you remember. False prophets were saying, why, everything's fine. <clears throat> They're not coming over here and get us. Why, we're doing fine. We get along fine. And uh, old Jeremiah said, one of these days, Chaldeans are coming. God's told me, Chaldeans are coming. They're going to take you away. They're going to come and put hooks in your nose, carry you off into captivity. They like that? No, they kept putting him in pits and, and different places, trying to get rid of him, but his message remained. Then, not only uh, do we have here lesson on what sin is, but we have a lesson on what we should not do with sin. <clears throat> First of all, don't cover it up by stepping up righteousness in other areas. That's what David did. 
soon as this word came to his heart, what did he do? Why, he got real religious. <laughs> and he said, this man's going to pay. He's got to pay. That's the first thing he tried to do. Well, this is the first thing in the story that took place. As you remember, as he took uh, Uriah's wife. This is the first thing he did. First thing was to try to be nice to the husband. Tried to work out a vacation for him so he could go home and all of that. He tried to be real religious. After he had sinned, and <clears throat> sin <clears throat> against Bathsheba took place, and when God's man came, he got on his judgment seat then. What great judge he was. <clears throat> That's the way sometimes we deal with sin. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? Terrible thing. In other areas, we begin to condemn heavy, weighty barbed wire cuts the conscience as you think of this. Then a second thing, don't try to remove sin by committing another sin. <clears throat> this sin that he committed, adultery, and then it led to murder, and on and on sins came in the life of David. In between the, <clears throat> the a good deal of lying, he was committing a lot of other sins. The worst thing we can imagine uh, is to be found out. That's what David thought. So a year, he didn't take any steps to get back to God. He waited to be found out. Now David was not somebody ignorant of the Bible. He knew what the Bible taught. He knew Old Testament principles. He had studied them as a king and as a boy. He knew all this, and so he begins to compound sin. Now let me tell you, young people and older ones alike, don't let the sins of yesterday catch up with the sins of the day. Keep them under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good advice. Third thing, don't get someone else to cover up sin for you. This woman's husband sent up to the front lines. Joab <coughs> became the victim to do it. David, you know, he said, I know how to get it done. I'll get the captain of the army to do this dirty deed for me. Joab. And so Joab carried it out for the king wanted to carry it out and he put him right up into the battle lines that he was killed. God still held David responsible. And I can hear it now echoing in the heart of old Joab. By the way, from that day on he was indebted to Joab. You mark it down, you read it, you see it. And old Joab, I can hear the echoes as he said, boy, my, my boss is pretty good strumming on his heart and writing songs. 
But when he wants a dirty deed done, he calls on me to do it for him. He never got that out of his heart. He never got that out of his heart. He comes to me when he wants a dirty deed done. Number four, don't delay in dealing with sin. <clears throat> Child's born, nearly a year went by, but uh, <clears throat> there came a traveler, and there came these words, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Thou art the man. What a parable this is. Third thing, what we to do with sin. That's what not to do with sin. What we to do with sin. What is sin? What we should not do with sin. And what to do with sin. Number one, make friends with those who will level with us. Cultivate friendship of one person at least who will be honest with you. Here's Nathan. Boy, he's honest with David. He's honest with David. Hold your place there and go over to the book of James for a moment. Verses 5 and 6. James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. What I want you to notice in verse 5, and upbraideth not. Upbraideth not. <clears throat> Isn't it great to have friends that you could go to and sit down and talk to? And they would, yeah, have you ever uh, been in trouble and go to a friend and you sit down and begin to pour out your heart? And then they look at you and they say, well, you're in a mess, and I'm going to help you now, but don't you ever get in this mess again. I'm glad God is not like that. Says he upgradeth not. Isn't it great to have friends you just sit down and talk to them, and they seem to understand? Take you to their heart. Wouldn't it be something we went to God and He'd say, But I hear you come again. <clears throat> now I won't do something for you, but I got something to tell you now. Oh, He upgraded. If you have to come a hundred times a day, he'll read it. 
able to preach this. Make friends at least with one person who's honest with you. Number two, admit it quickly. <clears throat> Don't begin to say, I didn't do it and I did do it. I just, just confess it before God. Do it quickly. Third thing, accept its consequences the old hymn of the Negro brethren, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. David didn't have to get mad, did he? In anger, here. Do you know what he did? He set the limits of his punishment. You watch what's said to him. Here's what he said in verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man in the parable. And he said to Nathan, the prophet, As the Lord liveth, that man's dumbest thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold. That's what took place in his family. That's right. That's what took place in his family. Fourfold punishment. Because he's done this thing and because he had no pity. Admit, <clears throat> accept its consequences. A fourth thing. Cast yourself upon the mercy of God. Now, I'm quick to say this, that we shouldn't leave David like this. Just remember Psalm 51 in the Bible. And it comes out of what happened here. And uh, David goes before God and pours out his heart in Psalm 51. And he says, God, <clears throat> this has gone on long enough, almost a year, and I want to get straightened out. And he begins to pour out his soul in Psalm 51. And he's restored. He's restored. No <clears throat> matter what others say about David, David was restored. He was restored. Now the baby died that came of that union. The baby died. But I noticed this, that as long as the baby lived, <clears throat> even though God had said the baby shall die, the child shall die, as long as the baby lived, David was on his face crying for the child's life. He didn't take a bath. He didn't put on perfume. He didn't dress up and put on the new garments. He was on his face pleading for the child's life. And when the child died, he didn't work the house of God. But when the child died, received word of it and there's whispers going on in this court. He knew that I the child was tired. What did he do? He got up, took a bath, washed himself, put on new garments, put on perfume. What they did in that day, he went up to the house of God, praise the Lord and worship. 
what happens in many cases? Folks quit God altogether. That's right. They quit. And they began to say, Why me? Why me? Why me? Was great truth here this morning. Great truth. I wish I could preach it to you. That you break on me. Think about this parable. Tell what sin.